genre. This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome to Theme Park This, the only podcast that dares to ask the question, is there high enough demand for a walk around Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> My name is Brian Green, and with me I've got Kyle Crane. Hello, hello. And Scott Corelli. Hey, everybody. Hey. So today we are creating a Star Wars Galaxy's Edge second gate. Mm-hmm. The Diagon Alley to Galaxy's Edge Hogsmeade. Yes. <laughs> uh, so first off, I, I thought we'd, we'd talk a little bit about our thoughts of Galaxy's Edge. All three of us have been to Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. Only one of us has ridden Rise of the Resistance so far. Uh, lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will. By the time this is out, I will be on my way to Florida to go ride that. So I'm excited. Well, you'll have already ridden uh, it, I think. Oh, that's right. Yes, I keep forgetting. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll prob- we're, we're playing we, a last we will, second. We will probably have ridden it together. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be tweeting out pictures of Scott and I uh, taking down the first order. Yeah, you know, as you do. Which, of course, invites the uh, the much-needed supplementary review together of Gev Rise of Resistance by you guys, right? For Patreon episode? Oh, yeah. That's going to happen. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, Kyle, uh, let's let's hear your thoughts on Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, so I uh, went to Galaxy's Edge back in uh, November and October of this last year, and I have to say, um, my my thoughts on Star Wars as a franchise notwithstanding, uh, my first first thoughts when I walked into it was that it was a very off-putting experience for me. Uh, I really did not take well to people asking me for credits or continuing to introduce, uh, you know, say, bright suns to me and whatnot. I don't know why I took <laughs> offense to that for some reason. Seeing Chewbacca walking around outside of like a character meet and greet experience, I was just kind of taken aback by the whole thing. The, the longer I stayed there, after writing Smuggler's Run and walking around and, you know, eating at Ronto's Roasters, I found myself really slowly over time to, to really kind of getting this obsession about it you know it's like it grew on me the longer i was there and then i left and went home and then i went like a few weeks later back with my with my full family and i was in love with the place i was like oh my god this is what i wanted my entire life i don't know why the just change in like the way i speak when i come in here was uh, such a big deal to me but i i don't know why it was just it was at first very jarring to me over time i really got to love it i think the thing that 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 sort of takes some getting used to is that it feels like Star Wars, but not like any Star Wars that you've seen, but also all of the Star Wars that you've seen. You know, <laughs> the first time you're in there, it's just sort of a sensory overload and it's hard to really comprehend it all. And I think that a lot of people, Kyle included, you feel, you're so overwhelmed that you feel underwhelmed, if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> it's weird because there's nothing familiar to connect to specifically except for the falcon and and brian was with me the first time that i saw galaxy's edge because he beat me there by like a day Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so he got to see my reaction to everything and it's it's overwhelming and i I love the cantina i wish there was more stuff at the cantina like i wish there was more food like i wish you could order the same kinds of food that you can get at uh, the docking bay because i think that would be uh helpful in uh making me want to go there more often Uh, the drinks are so overpriced and i don't think they're good enough to keep me there like every time Mm mm-hmm I think I went to the cantina about three times, and by the third time, I was like, you know, we don't have to do this every time we come here. <laughs> um, and, I, and I love it, and I love DJ Rex, but it's, it's a lot of money, and I feel like I'm not getting enough out of it because, honestly, there's only a few spots in the cantina where you can even see DJ Rex, and I, I have very rarely ended up in a spot where I could look at him. And that's the whole point in going is to see him and root him on. Obviously, because he's trying his best, and and you want to support the the kid, you know he's 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 <laughs> he's, he's trying his, his hand at being a DJ after failing as a pilot. So it's a really great experience, and like obviously, I think that it was really fun to walk around and experience it all. 
the first time I went, but going again with Rise of the Resistance is a totally different experience that I, I don't want to get too deep into, but I'll just say I think it's the greatest dark ride ever created hmm. and leave it at that. But I'm curious what Brian has to say, because I know I, I feel like he's more obsessed with it than either of us. It, it's true. I, I'm a Star Wars diehard for sure. And going in there, as you said, it was overwhelming and... That that moment you see the Falcon is so special. Yeah. It's it looks like it always has in, in your dreams. Like, oh shit, I'm gonna go get on this ship and I'm gonna go fly this hunk of junk. It is so exciting. And the Cantina, I I, I love the Cantina. I, I I see your complaints about it, Scott. And yeah, I think they they could do some more to add to it. I also think it needs to be like four times as big, but Yes, it does. You're absolutely right. And more seating. Yeah. When we were there with Scott, my wife was having trouble standing, so I had to beg the the hostess for a seated spot, and they helped us out. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah. The standing tables are terrible. So when I was at Disneyland with this trip, I was there for three days. First day, my wife was working from the hotel. I was on summer break. I'm a teacher. And... I abstained from going to Galaxy's Edge the whole day. Wow. So my wife and I could go in together, and I was a good husband. <laughs> we, got, we got to go in together. We rode the Falcon. We went to the cantina. And that second day, she had to work from the hotel again for the day, but then she had already been in. I went and did Galaxy's Edge again and rode the Falcon, went into the cantina a second time. Uh, that time, I was up against the bar, which is really cool because you get to you know kind of be the, be the smuggler leaning up against the bar and looking oh, yeah. over at Rex. It was, was kind of nice. I like that a lot. <laughs> and then the third day, once again, went into the cantina. So I'm a fan. I like that jet juice. I know Scott doesn't like uh, whiskey cocktails. I do not. Not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, but no, the jet juice is really good. I would love to. My dream is to eat a Ronto wrap in there, though. I want a, a Ronto <laughs> wrap while I drink my jet juice because that Ronto wrap is real good. Mm. I love the Millennium Falcon. It's great. I'm so hyped for Rise of the Resistance. I'm a child and I look at my Christmas presents early, so I've watched all of the ride through videos of it and <laughs> analyzed it like I, I really shouldn't have. But it's it's so exciting and I can't wait to ride it and get to talk about it here. I, I love Galaxy's Edge. It's I, I, I've built the droid. I thought the droid was a bit underwhelming. I had this loud, obnoxious kid next to me shouting at the the build the builder helper the entire time, like asking for help and like yelling at him the whole time. So that wasn't as intimate of an experience as I'd hoped it would be. Seeing the birth of my child, and <laughs> I'm doing the I'm doing the lightsaber when I'm in Florida in March. So I'm very excited to do that uh, cool but yeah i love i love galaxy's edge the great food the atmosphere is awesome other i was wearing my battle of yavin like military style hats when i was there one day and i ran into ray and she looked at my she looked at my hat and she goes you look awfully young to have been at the battle of yavin and i told her <laughs> it was my father and she's like oh thank you for your service and <laughs> I, I my heart just soared out of my chest it, it was it was a good day yeah, there's a moment in uh, in Rise of the Resistance because, like, you know, you, there's this whole boarding party system which everyone despises and I think is a fantastic idea. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I think the problem is that the rides are not at 100% capacity right now. The whole ride isn't open yet. Like, it's, it's, like, it's only running with half a leg and the leg is breaking down because they're trying to learn from the breakdowns and it being open and et cetera, et cetera. Like when this thing is fully operational, it's going to be a people eater. When I went, only half of it was open. And so, you know, everyone was uh, nice and complaining about the boarding parties. And I understand that you want to go if you're going to go there, you want to be on the ride and you might not get to be on the ride. And that sucks. And yeah, you're right. It does suck. It's it, But also, I don't know a better system that they could have come up with than this. Oh, they could do what they did over at Universal and Hagrid's. Right. And just have first come, first serve and have a 16-hour line. That seems like a great <laughs> yeah. idea. Um, people Terrible. Need to sh- people need to shut up about the boarding parties. Uh, the boarding parties works fine. It's it, The problem is that the demand is so high that it's higher than what the ride is capable of right now. And um, that's no one's fault because they can't get it up to 100% until it's going. So it's going and it's slowly ticking up every day. Anyway, point is when your boarding party is called and my boarding party was 80. So I was a backup boarding party, but it did get called around like 5 p.m. And we went and they let you they look at your boarding pass, but they don't scan it and they let you in. And then you're in the exterior line. And then just before you enter the interior line, 
where the actual base is in the side of the mountain. They have resistance people there to scan your boarding pass. So you're being sent to a different resistance person. And this lady, one of the resistance cast members was like, can I see your boarding pass, please? And I showed it to her. And uh, she was like, how many in your party? And I was like, two. Or, or I'm sorry, how many in your, what did she say? She didn't say party. She said something else. I don't remember what the, what the, what the word was. But anyway, so, so she scans mine and then she scans Bethany's and then she, she turns and she looks at both of us, smiles and then says, welcome to the resistance and then hands <laughs> the boarding pass back. And I got full body chills and tears came to my eyes and I was like, thank you. Like, That's was, amazing. Yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Without spoiling too much, just a character in the pre-show, the pre-ride show that says you're a, you're a good looking group of recruits and yeah. I, watching the just the the ride through video i just had hard eyes yeah. for this character <laughs> yeah. like ah! yeah it's like blushing full on yeah <laughs> yeah for sure i, I had the um, vapors <laughs> so it's i mean and that's not that's like the beginning of the line and i'm already like starting to cry <laughs> so you can only imagine what it was actually like riding the thing uh, what an experience that thing is and i think from tip to tail like from getting into that line, which is a it's a it's a mover that line. Like I never stopped moving. Um, it was good. like it was like baby steps all the way to the pre-show, which is pretty good. I mean, it's what you want with a line, you know. Mm-hmm. From tip to tail, I think the beginning from the beginning of the line to getting off the ride, it was about forty-five minutes. And the ride itself, the from the start of the pre-show to the end of the experience, was about twenty minutes. Hmm. So that's awesome. Really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for your investment of time, it seems like that's a really good payoff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So that's uh, that's what we're up against today, guys, as we are <laughs> building a, uh, a second gate to no pressure. Yeah. To Galaxy's Edge. Now, I did not I did not title my land. I struggled and I couldn't find it. Oh, well, mine was just the Wonders of Life Day Pavilion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) No, I wish I was that clever. That's so much fun. So, yeah, I mean, we're... I I guess we're all just sort of calling this our second gate. All right, so how do we want to get started on this? Kyle, take it away. When this proposal came across as our first episode, I was really like, there's no other way to start off this series than doing the Star Wars Second Gate as our first fantasy casting. Number one, because when people see Star Wars, they tend to subscribe to a podcast. But also, number two, this is just a real (laughs) fun exercise in why we would be doing this. And that's kind of the the question I asked myself. Like, Mm -hmm. why would we do... Why would there be a need for a Star Wars second gate? So I came up with kind of three areas where I thought that maybe they could serve a purpose. Um, To distribute crowds throughout the parks. So if you've been to Disney World lately, there's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, There's no down season. It is crowded all of the time, specifically the Magic Kingdom. They're undergoing all this work for the 50th anniversary, and it's just, you know, walls up everywhere uh, for building stuff. And you kind of get funneled into areas. So I kind of decided, like, okay, if we're going to put this thing up, Maybe it can be something to suck people out of other parts of the park and stick them in here. So that was kind of one of the first things I thought. Number two, um, if they were to run out of expansion pads for the existing Galaxy's Edge. And I think they've said that both Avatar Land and Galaxy's Edge have room for one more e-ticket ride apiece, which is pretty impressive. But at some point, they're going to build those. And the demand for Star Wars and Avatar and all these other things, all these other properties are just going to continue. So Mm -hmm. I was going to try to maximize space with this idea as well. And we'll get into that in a minute. And then number three, if the thematic setting of Batu is too limiting. One cool thing about Star Wars is it is a a saga that expands. I think it's like three different eras they have right now. The era of the Republic of Rebellion and of Resistance is kind of how they have the three different movies sectioned off. Mm And Batu is kind of set in this area. I think it's supposed to be like just a month or two after The Last Jedi, but then before The Rise of Skywalker. And they have been a little bit vague about that, so maybe they could possibly bring in some Mandalorian stuff and the child and whatnot down the line. But it, you know, it's possible it could fit in there. But there's all this other area they could cover with Star Wars. So if you could disconnect it physically from the area of Batu, they'd give you license to to do something else 
with the property. So mm-hmm. um, the proposal I have here is a Star Wars experience that's set during the Age of the Rebellion, specifically right around the time the Empire Strikes Back, well, actually very literally in the Empire Strikes Back, built around the concept of maximizing space and drawing crowds from the Magic Kingdom. So what I'm thinking here is there is an area in Tomorrowland right now that is not being used. For a while, it was used for Stitch's supersonic celebration, which is this very short-lived Stitch stage show. Uh, If you take that area and you combine it with – and this proposal is something would have to be removed – um, the Carousel of Progress, that whole area back there is probably enough to put what I'm going to be talking about here. So this idea is that it is not going to be immersive like Galaxy's Edge. So this is going to be a collection or, excuse me, a ride, an attraction, a restaurant that are loosely kind of based around the same time period, but you're not going into an area like Batu. Of course, thematically, they would be kind of matched to each other, you know, so you're uh, in that Star Wars state of mind when you walk into them, but it's not like you have a you're in a specific space. So we're talking about here doing an e-ticket, which would be like our big Pirates of the Caribbean style ride, an attraction, which is something less than that, uh, and then a restaurant. So I'm going to start with the restaurant last. So right now there's a there's some really great places to eat in Galaxy's Edge. In fact, I I probably talked about it in the last episode we did, but I had a vegetarian meatball dish while I was there, and I cannot stop thinking about it since <laughs> I've had it. That's one of the highlights. I want to go back and ride Rise of the Resistance, but I want to have these vegan meatballs more than anything else. Um, so we've got a lot of like sit-down, uh, counter-service areas where, as in Disney terms, you walk up to the counter, get your food, and then go have a seat. But there's no real sit-down dining restaurant that you can have, like a mm-hmm. um, something like Le Cellier in Epcot, uh, kind of like a nice place to eat. So what I'm proposing here is a – and I don't have a great title for this as the other uh, things I'm doing here do – the Cloud City Dining Experience. So the idea here, uh, when I'm thinking about The Empire Strikes Back, the only thing that really pops in my mind as far as food goes is the dinner that never happens where (laughs) Darth Vader lures Han Solo and the rest of the crew in to uh, sit at a table and we don't exactly get to see him eat. I love the design of Bespin of Cloud City. It's it's real striking, kind of like a lot of use of whites and kind of like 70s futurist style. And I think that could make a really great, really cool restaurant. And I'm thinking specifically one of these rotating restaurants. If you've ever been to one of these things, they usually have them. Like, There is one in the Land Pavilion in Disney World. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a – I think it's – I can't remember the name of it, but it it rotates as you eat. So I'm thinking this could be done virtually with projection screens set up around the outside of the restaurant so you can see kind of like the cityscape of Cloud City, uh, all the beautiful clouds, maybe like a virtual sunset that could just be going on all day long. Sort of Uh, similar to that Space 2020 restaurant. Right. That, hey, look at that! That is exactly what you, what I'm thinking about without even thinking about it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, is that the one in Epcot? Yes. Yeah. Imagine that, but in the Star Wars setting. So, uh, okay. a sit down restaurant in Bespin style. Now, the what I'm thinking of is this is going to be kind of a I wouldn't say like a five Michelin star or whatever restaurant, but but something pretty nice because the Magic Kingdom is also lacking in a lot of sit down restaurants. They have Be Our Guest, they have the Skipper's Canteen, but they don't really have anything else on that side of the park. So, mm-hmm. my proposal for a restaurant uh, would be a Cloud City dining experience. But yeah, Scott, I, I think it is exactly like that. Uh, <laughs> the restaurant they're building right. Right now next to mission space and i've got without even thinking about it so i think that's a great idea i think it's a certainly a, a great use of that space over there in general i i really want a star wars a heavily themed star wars sit-down restaurant that like absolutely that's definitely something that i thought about a lot too when i was working on my park yeah, yeah, we're good. Maybe we'll have some crossover there, which, yeah, um, yeah we're cool. My first time I went to be, oh, actually, the only time I've been at, I've been to Be Our Guest in Magic Kingdom, it, I was there for lunch. It was counter service at the time. I placed my order, and they told me, okay, go have a seat wherever you'd like, and we'll bring your food out to you. I went and I sat down, and I sat there for like maybe 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, and then I thought, wait a minute, I didn't tell them where I was sitting, or I don't have a number, <laughs> I don't have anything like that. And I started like getting really concerned. I'm like, how am I going to get my food? And as I was starting to stand up to like find an employee to figure out what's going on, woman comes over. She says, French dip sandwich. I'm like, (laughs) yes, yes, that's what I ordered. And it it took me a moment to realize that my magic band was being scanned by the table. And that's how they knew where I was. And I want something like that technology. 
I want yeah. a droid to come bring my food to me magically like that. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I think that would be That's that would be good for my restaurant that I have for my park, but that would be perfect for yours. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That'd be great. All right. So let's move on to uh, the attraction I came up with, which is going to be called Yoda's Jedi Challenge, uh, oh. which is a – did you guys ever get an opportunity to go to the um, – I don't remember the name of it, but it was a Pirates of the Caribbean movie-themed uh, projection mapping thing that they had in Hollywood Studios about 10 years ago? No. 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 Okay. Uh, it was very short lived, but it was about the time they were coming up with pro- the projection mapping stuff. So you'd walk into this cave and there was like the uh, pirate ship, like the front of a pirate ship there. And they would select like one kid out of the crowd. And then all of a sudden, like Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow would show up on the kind of like the mast of the ship and he'd come out and talk to everybody. And they would do something where some skeletons got up around the room. They projected everywhere and a giant squid would come up and uh, just a bunch of pirate hijinks would happen in this one room. So I'm kind of taking a concept like that and kind of mixing it up with the Jedi Temple uh, that they have at Disneyland and Hollywood Studios where kids get to come out and fight Darth Vader and Kylo Ren and stuff like that. Uh, This would be a cave of Yoda's on Dagobah where he might have trained Luke or other Jedi at the time. Uh, It would be kind of a walkthrough and stand around theater attraction where guests can interact with an animatronic Yoda on Dagobah. Uh, Children are chosen by Yoda to use the force to lift different objects, rocks, things like that around Mm. the room. Uh, And then Yoda gives a parable about the light and the dark sides featuring ancient Jedi cave paintings on the walls that would animate and come to life and tell the different uh, philosophies behind the light side and the dark side. So taking kind of the Star Wars mythology and then mythology in general and kind of mixing that together and, you know, maybe uh, stirring kids' imaginations about things like that. Um, it's uh, kind of uh, akin to Storytime with Bell, if you've seen that also, where they kind of lead you through and Bell comes in the room. And it's, it, this would be more an attraction for kids to kind of get their picture taken with Yoda and, um, you know, maybe a couple of kids get picked up. Up, uh, out of the audience to move something over here and then another kid gets picked up to use the force to move something else so um, this could be done in mul- in a theater with multiple rooms so you could sh- you know get like maybe 40 people through a room at the time so but kind of a five minute thing of just Yoda standing up and talking with the cave paintings so that would be the attraction that I'm going for set in the Empire Strikes Back mm. era. Now I want to get to the one that really kind of, when I was talking about maximizing space, uh, my e-ticket is really into that. I'm thinking a two- to three-storied attraction here. And when I say that is each level of this would feature the same ride system. doesn't need to have a whole lot of space because it's going to be virtual. It's a little bit like Smuggler's Run. I call it Battle of Hoth. So what this is going to be is a VR flight simulator that recreates space dogfights between X-Wings and TIE Fighters that we see in all the movies. Um, Mm. I love... Star Wars, I love the swashbuckling action. I really love the space dogfights that happen. And we don't get them in all the movies, but when they happen, they're some of my favorite parts of a name, especially the one uh, in Rogue One takes up like half the movie. I think they did a fantastic job with that. So what this is going to be is during the evacuation of Hoth, in Empire Strikes Back, we're going to imagine that there was a X-Wing versus TIE fighter fight that happened above the planet. And the goal of this would be to take Five people put them in TIE Fighters, five people put them in X-Wings, and have them each try to destroy the other's capital ship. So X-Wings would be trying to destroy a Star Destroyer, TIE Fighters would be trying to destroy a troop transport that's trying to get off of Hoth. The idea is that your ship cannot be destroyed. It can be disabled temporarily if you shoot down another player's ship or if you get shot by maybe one of the two capital ships. Uh, But you would get back up again, and the first one to destroy the other transport ship is the one that wins. Uh, the idea that I'm thinking here is the Kuka Arm technology, a variation of that, which is the ride for Forbidden Journey. Mm-hmm, like it, mm-hmm. So it looks like basically like a giant robot arm that's able to lift you up and down and swing you around. I'm not mm-hmm. thinking that range of motion for this, but maybe just kind of banks a cockpit from side to side. And when I say cockpit, what I'm thinking of is a film-accurate cockpit recreation of a TIE fighter or an X-Wing. With a projection in front of it, kind of like Smuggler's Run. So Mm -hmm. the big difference is you have an open play field. You're not on rails like you are with Smuggler's Run, and you have the ability to interact with other players. Uh, I'm also thinking that with this, using your magic band, you could keep a running score over time, and you could eventually rank up through Rogue Squadron. Or I think the TIE Fighters are called the Black Eight. Yeah, the Black Elite Eight, I think, is the name of the... um, 
period appropriate TIE fighter squadron that mm. would have been around that time. So you'd rank up through the uh, the rebellion or the Imperial Navy, and over time you'd be able to, I don't know, get a little avatar or something like that on your phone. I think the goal of this would be to kind of give guests that real film-accurate representation uh, like you would have in Smuggler's Run, but to have it on just an individual basis where you and your friends could be part of one side fighting against people on, on part of the other side. So what I'm thinking here is if we had five on five, maybe a room uh, featuring ten, maybe you get like four rooms, so it would be like 40 people going a time for five minutes with this, rotating each out with maybe a five-minute reset period. So probably not as big of a people eater as something like Rise of the Resistance, uh, but I'm thinking that's how you could just stack layers on top of layers because it's basically just a small virtual room with a limited mobility robot arm in it. You know, it's funny because that is still one of the things that I think is missing from Galaxy's Edge, uh, much like a, a sit-down reservation-based restaurant is a ride where I get to fly uh, an X-Wing yeah. because I like the Millennium Falcon a lot. It's cool to be in that cockpit, but I never once in my life dreamed of flying that yeah <laughs> but i have dreamed of flying an x-wing many 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 times yeah and and the fact that they can't recreate that because i mean i presumably it's probably difficult because of it not, like you said not really being a people eater because it's a single rider ride yeah or it would have to be in order to be screen accurate that complicates things for a theme park setting but the idea of doing these like little virtual reality rooms that all sort of interact with each other is a really smart way of doing it i think yeah well that's that's pretty much mine uh i think scott are we moving on to your section next yeah so so yours is going to be set in tomorrowland at the magic kingdom right correct yes okay um so so here's what's interesting about my second gate uh my second gate is not going to do them any good uh, because uh, <laughs> as far as crowds, because it's not going to be at an American park. Ooh. My second gate is actually going to be at Tokyo Disney Sea and is going Ooh. to be set in the city of Kirin on Naboo. Ooh. This will actually take place after Return of the Jedi, but before the Battle of Jakku. So in that sort of one year period. After the second Death Star has been destroyed, but the Empire hasn't been totally taken out yet. So this this world, the way that I picture this city in Naboo, it has a cantina, um, actually Frundle's Cantina, which is a very uh, specific cantina in the sort of Star Wars lore. Um, it also has an industrial district, and it's where a lot of military bases and things like that are in this era. And there's a specific period where General Leia actually tries to get Naboo to sort of join the rebellion in this one last push against the Empire, with the thought being that having Emperor Palpatine's homeworld as part of the rebellion would really like kind of push the rebels over the edge and the New Republic over the edge. That's sort of the era that I'm using this in. And the other reason that I chose Naboo is, one, I think it would match perfectly with the aesthetic of Tokyo Disney Sea. Oh. Like, it would be a gorgeous addition to that theme park, I think. Yes. And on top of that, the other reason that I chose it, because I think that it's interesting from a world-building perspective, is that... Because Naboo, we mostly know as a prequel planet, having it set during the Age of the Rebellion, you can play with Nabooian history a little bit by actually sort <laughs> I like of... that word. <laughs> by actually... Nabooian. Uh, by, by combining cultures of, of Naboo and the Gungans. Because... It's been a long time since they have united at the end of Phantom Menace, and now we're a few generations beyond that. And so what does Naboo look like now that the Gungans and, and the Nabooians or Nabubians <laughs> are living together cohesively? And what, what does that look like? And so I'm, I am picturing – it's funny that he made the joke at the beginning, but I am picturing Gungan walk-around characters. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, at the end of the day, the other reason that I chose a foreign park is because they don't have all of the prequel baggage that American parks would have. Good point. And so you can have Gungan walk around characters over there and they're just going to be like, yeah, I mean, it's an alien like everything else in Star Wars. Cool. They're not going to have all of that baggage, which is really nice. So my restaurant 
is going to be a fusion restaurant of Naboo and Gungan cuisines. And it is a sit-down restaurant. It's going to be a classy establishment. I'm thinking about like all of that Naboo architecture and that sort of Art Deco look that Naboo had that's sort of like Italian Art Deco. And I'm picturing that in like a really classy restaurant with big open windows where you're looking out on this amazing virtual vista of what Naboo would look like. As far as what kinds of things would be served there, Naboo is very famous for their wines. And so I'm picturing this as a actual winery. That's also like a reservation-only restaurant, but there would be a lounge that you could do standby for. And then you would also have things like a shack pot roast, which the Gungans use during holiday festivals. And it would be combined with the Naboo Five Blossom Bread that uh, Naboo uses. <laughs> There's also a thing called a plasma cloud, which is a, a fusion of uh, Gungan and Naboo cuisines that feature a, the egg whites of a Pacobi, um, which is a flightless bird uh, native to Naboo, and then the plasma actually mined from the planet, which when you combine the two things, it, re- it results in this like delicious dessert. And so it would be a lot of stuff like that. It would all be sort of combined foods, lots of aquatic life and bird life and things like that. But I think it would be a really cool thing to have as a uh, restaurant. I like that. I can see that fitting in really well in Japan, considering their strong food culture over there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my restaurant. My attraction is going to be a a ride in the way that smugglers run as a ride, but it's not really an e-ticket. And this is going to be called Kieran City Street Race. And this is actually a real thing in the lore, which is that there is a street race that happens in Kieran all the time. And uh, for a long time, Ben Quadineros held the fastest record <laughs> on this particular track. And it was later broken. And there is no information on who broke that record. And that's what this ride is about. And so in this ride, you are part of the street race, but one of the racers is none other than famous pod racer Maz Kanata. Oh, what? Yes. And Maz Kanata is sort of works as the, she would have like an animatronic and she would be sort of the Hondo of this. And so the idea is that she wants to beat the record set by Ben Quanjaneros on this track. And she wants to use this as her excuse to retire because she has like the record on all of these street races and she wants this one, but she needs our help. (laughs) And so in order for us to help her, we have to, and this is, this is a call back to a ride that, that Ryan and I love so much. We have to bump her. (laughs) 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 So the idea is that she has something that is basically akin to like a nitrous, right? But the only way to make it work, because there's no way to like just apply it, it has to be all or nothing. We have to bump her and break the container that it's in so that it hits her engines and she can shoot forward. So that's the idea of the story of the ride. And what actually ends up happening is she wins the race. And as a result, she doesn't take the winnings or, or, she, or either she doesn't take the winnings and she wins something else in the form of a cantina on another planet. Oh. Or she says that she's going to use the winnings to buy a cantina on another planet. Mm. So that's sort of to set up that where she is in, For- in The Force Awakens. But the ride vehicles that I'm picturing are obviously like sort of a combination of a like pod race and because it's a street race it doesn't have to be pod races or pod racers um some of them are some of them aren't some of them are going to be like those little cadillac racers like han solo uses in at the beginning of solo one of those was that he stole that's what i actually picture being the the ride vehicle is something like that but then the difference in what the ride actually is is to me i think it's going to be a combination of say like test track sort of but it's going to be test track in a virtual tunnel like fast and the furious i was gonna say everyone's favorite ride right it's a terrible ride but (laughs) by combining the two things i think you could actually get something really interesting oh for sure because i'm also picturing sort of um i think it would be cool if we could figure out a way for the Yes, you are on a track, but you design the track in a way that in that area, right, where you don't you don't have a straight line that you have to 
drive on because it's the fast area where you're going to be like driving like, you know, 60 miles an hour and you need to stay on a track. When you're in that virtual area, you can switch tracks, you know, because you're not you're not moving forward. It's it's the sensation of moving forward because you're in a wind tunnel with virtual reality on either side of you. And so you can like actually go around other racers and things like that in this area. Which would, I think would be a really cool use of that technology that Universal is not using properly at all. And so like that would be the idea of the ride. It, was, it would be something like that where you would definitely end up in the, uh, the 60 miles an hour sort of like home stretch. But the tunnel at the beginning would be like when it's all cluttered and there's like lots of racers all around you and things like that. So that would be my non-e-ticket attraction. The Kieran City Street Race with Maz Kanata, which I think is cool. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, that sounds fun to me. Well, I have a question about it. Do we get a cameo by Justin Thoreau at any point during the ride? God, I hope so. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, maybe that's one of her prizes. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, it sounds like a really cool idea. So you're actually – let me uh, – so I can just get this straight. At the end of the ride, uh, is someone picked as a winner or is everybody are, – are, are there multiple units moving around each other during the ride I guess is my question. I I think so. Okay. I'm picturing like a like that last home stretch. I'm picturing like a three track uh, race, and okay. I I don't think it's going to be as long as your test track or your uh, your your cars ride. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not picturing as long, and I'm not picturing a turn. I'm just picturing sort of that last home stretch right before the finish line. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, just so that like it doesn't take up that much space because mm-hmm. like I said, it's not meant to be an e ticket. It's just supposed to be a little thrill there at the end. But I think what you're doing is basically racing for second, which Mm. I think is funny because Maz Kanata has to win every time. Like that's kind of like the point of it. I want more Maz Kanata, so I'm I'm on board with this. (laughs) Nice. All right. Uh, So then my e-ticket, the story of the ride um, to me is going to be about the rebels or the New Republic, however you want to refer to them at this point, are looking for the last remnants of the Empire. And they don't know where they're hiding out. They've basically come to this planet with the understanding that there is some information left where they can find out where the Empire are hiding out so they can finally bring the fight to them one last time and put a final end to the Empire. And so the idea here is that you are tasked with crossing through the planet core. The planet to core. get to another a city across the planet to get this information that they need and bring it back to General Leia in Kirin. And so this is an attraction that is going to start with what I can only describe as a water drop ride. It's going to drop off the side of a waterfall and then go underwater. And this will be open and it's going to get you wet. Hmm. And so it's sort of combining like a Splash Mountain and a Twilight Zone Tower of Terror sort of together. And then as you drop, you'll land and then you'll move forward into more of a dark ride sort of uh, underwater virtual reality kind of situation to get to the other side and get that stuff and like you'll you know you'll go through the gungan city obviously because why wouldn't we want to do that if we're on (laughs) if we're on this planet and so you would go through there and then the information that you would eventually get from them that you would give back to the general is that the empire are hiding out on jakku so begins the battle of jakku and so that would be that would be the concept of the ride and it is meant to be a drop ride that leads into a sort of like boat ride, boat virtual reality kind of ride um, underwater through the Gungan City with lots of animatronics and things like that. Uh, and then in would, my mind turns back into almost a roller coaster back up to the city of Kieran. So it would be another three part e-ticket ride. Nice. So are you picturing like ride vehicle, like maybe one of those submarines that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn took from the Gungan City? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm picturing, except that the top, I don't remember exactly what it looks like in Phantom Menace, but I'm picturing an open top. Yeah, I'm open. I'm I'm picturing an open top uh, Mm -hmm. vehicle that has a sort of effect on it that appears like there's an air bubble over it. 
but it would be an open top so that you can like go in and out of the underwater virtual elements while also being able to clearly see the Gungan city when you're not underwater, you're in the city and you can breathe and whatnot. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I think thematically, this your your picking and putting this in Tokyo Disney Sea really works out then because it kind of wraps back into the whole. It's a it's a water based ride, but it's on another planet, you know. But it yeah. still it kind of fits into their entire motif. Okay, yeah, that was that was kind of what I was trying to go for for sure. Mm-hmm. I wanted to fit into this so that it attracts foreign visitors to the parks. You know, Americans wanted to go to the second gate of a Star Wars park. But then it also would just feel like any other ride to locals, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, where it fits in with everything else and they don't have to appreciate Star Wars to appreciate the ride. I like that Uh, because when you first said Tokyo Disney, my initial thought was, wow, they, they, they don't have much of an appreciation for Star Wars over there. Right. And so that was my big concern at first. But no, I like that. I like the way that you you work that around. I like that. Thank you. So, Brian, what do you got for us? All right. So, my version of the Galaxy's Edge Second Gate uh, is going to take place between the years 28 ABY after the Battle of Yavin and 34 ABY. I'll get back to why that's important in a second. This is going to take place on Endor. Oh. Or, you know, the forest mood of Endor. I should have known you Star Tours nut. (laughs) So, (laughs) after the Battle of Endor, there are... Death Star remnants, uh, Star Destroyer wreckages littering the planet and has knocked over giant trees. So we are going to have, first off, a restaurant. It's going to be called Girota, which is the oh. uh, which is the e- Ewok word for friend. <laughs> and my idea for this is an Ewok version of Ohana, oh. where you are there to see a show and have a nice dinner. You know, have a nice have a nice meal, but also have a show. And I'm thinking animatronic Ewoks all around uh, singing songs. You know, they could they could sing Yub Nub like Country and, Bears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you you space get it. Country Bears. You yeah. <laughs> I want Space Country Bears real bad. So that that would be my restaurant. I hadn't thought much about the specific food. Maybe some sort of a stew served out of the, a hollowed out helmet of a stormtrooper would be great <laughs> uh i can i can i plus you up just to set on that one just absolutely please do i i my my plus up to that would be that in each show they choose a god <laughs> oh my goodness absolutely That's i would great. want to be the god so bad <laughs> and then somebody you gets on a floating picked up chair? in a chair yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so my attraction my attraction would be a peaceful dark ride. It would be a, I would have it as an omni mover, so like haunted mansion, and you would go through, and the Ewoks would be telling me the story of the Battle of Endor, oh. and so you go and you kind of flash back into it. And you see, uh, you see them destroying uh, Adats and ATSTs and killing stormtroopers, and talk about c-3po and how he was their god <laughs> and that might be the punchline of the whole thing it's be, like c-3po is our god and so that that's my idea for a dark ride you know i, I have a lot of animatronic ewoks in, in fact my joke for the beginning of the episode almost was can you really have too many animatronic ewoks but i didn't want to show my hand <laughs> fair enough <laughs> my e-ticket would be called ruins of the empire and we're going to cash in on this Mandalorian baby Yoda fever we got going here. Mm. The reason why I'm setting this on Endor is because since the Battle of Endor took place, just like Jakku, we have all this all this wreckage. We have pieces of the Death Star just littering the planet. What is left of the Empire has made a base on the planet, and they're going through the wreckage of all the ships for any pieces, any parts that they can salvage so they can rebuild their armada. You are on the planet, and you are helping the Mandalorian with a specific bounty he has. He doesn't tell you what it is, but he does mention it's not a person. Hmm. When you get on the ride, you're on a Rebellion speeder bike. Ooh. And this is going to be a multi-launch roller coaster, very similar to Hagrid's Magical Creatures. Yeah. If we want to make it a little like E.T., we put a basket on the front with a Baby Yoda sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so the multiple launches would zip you through giant redwood trees. This would be perfect for California Adventure if California Adventure had the space. 
you'd zip through, you'd see ADATs, you'd see lots of wreckages. You'd go into big show buildings. The show buildings, I'm thinking, would have dynamic lighting effects. So if, if you're going into a show building where you'd be seeing the animatronics, if it was daytime outside, it would look like daytime inside of that building as well. Oh. If it's nighttime, it would look like nighttime. I got this idea because with Radiator Springs Racers, that ride is perpetually set at night. Yeah. But then when you start mm-hmm. the race, it's really jarring when you go outside and it's daytime. And I've never actually ridden it at night. And I want to because of that. Yeah, But your speeder bike goes into a piece of the Death Star that has landed on Endor. You see a animatronic of the Mandalorian. He is approaching a shadowy figure that is digging through some rubble. Shadowy figure stands up, turns around. It is a young Kylo Ren. Oh. Pre-Force Awakens Kylo Ren, who is searching for Darth Vader's lightsaber. Oh. Kylo Ren turns around and he ignites Darth Vader's red lightsaber and Baby Yoda stops him. I don't know how this is going to happen, but (laughs) Baby Yoda's going to stop him because he does. That's what that's what he do. But that's my idea right there. I haven't I haven't haven't gotten the big climax of the ride yet, but I think that's I think that's what I'm going for. Yeah, it's it's good. I think it's it's interesting, too. I like the idea that he's looking for the Darth Vader lightsaber. Though I think if you're wanting to connect it more directly to Force Awakens, it should be the helmet. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. I think that makes the most sense. Uh, Just like getting it right out of the funeral pyre. Yeah. Right, right. Canonically, didn't the the Knights of Ren do that? I think they went around collecting like different artifacts. They might have gotten that off the planet. So it makes sense that if it's the that Kylo Ren would be there with them looking for the lightsaber. So yeah. it, canonically it fits, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting too because you were talking about the uh that the empire is there on the planet. That kind of reminds me of this after Return of the Jedi, Kenner wanted to keep selling Star Wars toys, of course, and that kind of led to the droids and uh, uh in Ewoks TV shows, but for a while they had this line that got canceled that was like kind of like a sequel to the return of the jedi where the empire was like smaller and they were like retrofitting adats with like cannons and stuff like that and there's some mock-ups from it out there but it kind of sounds like what you're talking about too it kind of fits into that idea of the empire trying to put itself back together and i find that a really fascinating concept uh to put people in that time period and kind of like see what what you know they're on indoor they might be doing yeah that's that's really cool yeah, yeah. So that's that, that's my idea there. Uh, I think this would actually work really well in Animal Kingdom if Animal Kingdom didn't already have Pandora. <laughs> yeah, and just just bulldoze it. Yeah, we don't need, we don't we don't need space flying soaring <laughs> flying. Um, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a really good idea. I like that a lot. I mean, I I think it'd be a good idea to talk about maybe like before as we wrap this up, sort of talk about some of the ideas we might have had that we just couldn't make work and. Uh, <laughs> For me, that was Coruscant, which is yes, yeah. I, 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 I love the look of Coruscant. I think if I mm-hmm. could visit anywhere in the Star Wars universe, I would want to visit Coruscant because it just looks amazing. The problem is that there is no possible way to believably recreate Coruscant in any way. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's the problem is like there's there's there is just no way to build buildings that high. Um, and I couldn't think of a way to virtually do it without, I guess, doing something in the in the same fashion as like um, in Vegas. They have that like projection roof thing uh, yeah. over mm-hmm. a street. And if you did something like that and then had the buildings like sort of continue into the sky through that. Maybe that's the closest I could come to. So when I was talking about thinking about this, I was I, my brain went to Coruscant as well, and my idea for this was very similar. I of what you just said because if you look at the and we're we're, we're talking about Epic Universe. Epic Universe is the next episode. If you look at the concept art for Epic Universe, the area that is largely agreed upon to be the new Harry Potter section or Fantastic Beasts, if Fantastic Beasts. If people you know seem to care about it enough, that looks like it's going to be all indoors. Uh-huh. So I imagine if it if it is a walk around indoor area and that's not just the show building, then they could do that. If you're you know if you're in the era of New York, the Fantastic Beast era of New York, and you look up and you're looking and you're looking at giant giant skyscrapers that are projected onto the onto the, the ceiling, I could see that potentially happening. Yeah, yeah. 
I had trouble cracking that code, though. I was trying to figure out how you make Coruscant work. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely the one that I would want as a second gate, but I don't know how to make that work. Yeah. I was thinking about maybe something like an Imperial Mess Hall, uh, but I didn't know if I wanted to put that aboard the Death Star or aboard a Star Destroyer. And I couldn't figure out how to make that work. But something that wasn't like a top tier sit down restaurant, maybe a counter service type thing. I was like, it'd be cool to eat on like the, the you know, the deck of a Star Destroyer yeah. with everybody else. Sure. You know? But uh, but again, yeah, couldn't make it work. And, and Coruscant also, same thing. Like, how, how are you going to do that? You know, right. um, but I love the bar in Attack of the Clones, like a sports betting bar with like alien sports and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought maybe that could be fun. I don't know. Someone yeah. trying to but. sell you death sticks. Yep exactly yes (laughs) yeah no absolutely i i you know it's uh it's definitely something that i would like them to figure out because i think it would be amazing but i think i think brian dried i think it would have to be an enclosed space in order to make it work right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i really wanted somehow to make a a pod racing ride work i want a pod racing coaster yeah yeah (laughs) sure that's always that's just been my dream i i remember when i was a kid and i first saw Phantom Menace, I said, they should make Star Tours a pod race. Yeah. And then they did it <laughs> yeah. years and years later. And I was like, it took them, it took them long yeah, enough. Yeah. That made me really happy. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was trying to do with the with my uh, Kieran City Street Race, is something that was pod racer-esque and could involve pod racers, but wouldn't actually be a pod race necessarily and because the problem is that like i mean i think i feel like the test track ride system is the correct ride system for a pod race Mm -hmm. to make that work right but you would have to have the longest track of all time in order to uh, actually like properly do it i just don't know it would be cool to see a ride like that that went all the way around the park on the outside like on the outskirts of the entire park rocket rods yeah 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 um (laughs) i think that that would probably be the best best way to pull that off but um Mm -hmm. yeah i just don't know anyway yeah i mean i think that's the thing is like unlike uh harry potter i actually think that star wars you could just keep doing gate after gate after gate after gate i i honestly i mean we'll talk about it next week i think i think we're we're at peak harry potter i don't i don't think we need any more well guess what (laughs) yeah (laughs) well we'll see we'll see that's not confirmed that's not confirmed they might have chickened out of it i mean they might have gotten the receipts off of uh the crimes of grindelwald and was like you know maybe we don't do this maybe this is not as beloved as we thought they would be I could. Um, J.K. Rowling has become a bit of a toxic uh, asset at oh, this point too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so fingers crossed that they uh, they let that franchise go because uh, I think we have enough between the two parks that we have, um, sure. the two gates. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, that's that's coming next time. We're gonna do uh, our our ideal epic universe, which uh, I'm pretty excited to talk about. I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, fingers fingers crossed. They don't announce anything before between now and then because that would ruin our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that uh, wraps us up here, uh, guys. Uh, you know, check out all of our social media and things like that. And uh, uh, if you want to support us on Patreon and maybe help us get a uh, a second gate of our own up and running uh, in the form of retheme this our uh, Patreon podcast. Then uh, become a Patreon supporter at duelinggenre.com slash support and uh, help us out over there. And then uh, I think that's I think that's all we got here today. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Good show, guys. Yeah. Good show. Good show. Good show. <laughs> uh, I want to yeah. visit everybody's parks. <laughs> so yeah. thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye.